this computer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe Melicio. And joining me, as always, actually, no, not as always. I, I had to go to the bullpen, give him a little sign, whatever that sign is, and bring in to substitute for Sean Flannery today is our basketball podcast, The Step Backs host, Leon Tompkins. Leon, how are you doing uh, this afternoon? Uh, I'm doing well, bro. Uh, you know, pulling in a three-day and five-nights type deal, so uh, I feel pretty good. My arm might be uh, might be falling off, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to help the team. Oh, man. Well, we're all a team here. We're, this is the life group the part of the life group uh, podcast of network or the network of podcasts I should say I'm dyslexic like that I guess uh, but now man thank you so much for coming in uh, uh, Sean is out uh, on the uh, on the injured list uh, with uh, an illness uh, we don't know what it is but he said he doesn't feel too well so you know uh, we're a team here like I mentioned uh, when one office is down someone is there to pick up the slack uh, and run with it so I appreciate you coming on at the last minute so thank you Leon I cannot uh, show my gratitude enough to you man uh, and then, uh, you know what, might as well, uh, you right now. Cool. Uh, yes, I, I am the host of the Step Back podcast over in the Bowls Life Group, uh, along with my good friend, Jacob Moses. We had our last episode this past Wednesday where we covered uh, our top 10 uh, power rankings coming into the season, top five duos, uh, spoke with, talk about Kyrie, uh, Paul George, and James Harden rumors. Uh, we'll be back on in two weeks. Uh, probably do some fantasy updates as well as give our over unders for the upcoming season. You know, uh, so catch us Wednesday nights, eight o'clock over in the Bowers Life Group. Uh, you know, me and our good, my good friend Jacob Moses Wednesday nights, eight o'clock. Are you, are you guys going on this week? I thought you guys were going on this week. Uh, we we're debating it. Because we is, we're going to do every two weeks during the off season, but uh, considering if we you know have our fantasy draft, we may come on this week. So we'll see. Right. Uh, our fantasy, wait, my fantasy draft or your fantasy? I know you're having a yeah. league of your own. No, my my draft is on the twentieth. Uh, okay. I think I think ours was supposed to be uh, today, but you know if if it goes through, uh, we'll plug in. We'll see what happens. But I'm telling you right um, now, more than likely. It's not going to go through. So uh, if anything, I can come in and we can talk about our keepers, which, you know, but yeah, right. I'm, I got nothing for you this week. So I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to have to bow out on this week. I'm sorry uh, to let you know right now, but yeah, this has not been a good week to start. It's like, it, it, I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's just been a big issue and I'm still <laughs> flustered by it. And it's a shame because I really wanted to talk to you guys about our fantasy league, but we'll have to, uh, I'll have to take a rain check for another week, but uh, it's up to you, man, it, uh, what you guys want to do over there uh, in terms of uh, honestly, I'm kind of shocked that you guys were going to go every two weeks because the NBA offseason is just as fun as the NBA in season. But I know you guys need your break yourselves, but it's like you guys try to take your break and free agency is here. The draft is here. Uh, the season's going to start a lot sooner than you thought it would start. So it, it's, it's like, did you did you even take a break at all? It seems like you guys were still doing every week. No, and we had tried to plan it that way because we thought there wouldn't be any like news or anything, but it, it all happened so fast and we had intended to take a break around the holidays, but that never really came to fruition. So this is the, this is the best way we, we could possibly take a break is do every two weeks. All right. Well, we'll see if, uh, if you're on board, I'll be sure to listen. I'm, uh, I'm 
about 30 minutes into the previous podcast with Charlie Martinez, who's always a good listen to. Uh, but unfortunately, he's a Celtics fan, so uh, I can only listen about the Celtics for so long. But you guys do have an amazing job over there. It's uh, You guys have basically been the only basketball podcast I listen to nowadays. Oh, uh, thank you for the support. And, uh, you know, check us out Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Boa's Life. If you're not there. That's 8 p.m. It's yep. 8 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, by the way. Eastern. Yeah, 7 o'clock Central. And you can catch all our podcasts, all our live group podcasts, and might as well get them out of the way right now. Dong City, I think they're I, – I can't keep track. No, they're off tomorrow, I think. Yeah, because they went last week, and they're, they're going to stick to their every other week's schedule. And uh, so we'll go with that. So they're off tomorrow, but they're usually on on Monday nights, and that's followed by the Audible, who are our busiest uh, podcast of the fall and winter because they decided to go – uh, review and preview into the week so they'll they're on Tuesdays and Friday night uh, Tuesday nights Friday afternoons and then a step back as Leon mentioned uh, they're on Wednesday nights at the ball is life group and then right now we're live Sunday mornings slash afternoons at this point the total basis podcast your fantasy baseball slash uh, roster building slash player evaluation slash team evaluation because we do everything around here that's hence the name total basis podcast uh and uh, you can listen to us on stitcher spotify if you're not listening to us live on facebook yeah stitcher spotify you can uh, catch the video feed on youtube uh, a day or two after we record and uh yeah and all the other podcast formats and yada 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 so that's out of the way make sure you like subscribe to us all that jazz so you can get up the updates and listen to this vital information we're about to disclose so let's get going man and again uh, i thank you for coming on board and show with uh, some transactions that have happened and uh, we'll start with some trades you know I'm a White Sox fan even though I sometimes wear my Cubs gear I do like both teams but the White Sox are making all the moves this week and we'll start with uh, with the trade that they made uh, with the Texas Rangers Lance Lynn for Dane Dunning uh, and I, I apparently Avery Weems also went uh, to the Rangers as well but the big one is Dane Dunning uh, uh, going to the Rangers which caused a lot of uh, scratchy heads and confusion among White Sox fans and other and other uh, fans of teams that are, haven't won anything in a while that they don't know how to win anymore. So they're like, why are you trading away Dane Dunning? Like, well, because Dane Dunning's not that good. And he's 26 years old and his velocity on his fastball is dipping. Uh, and Lance Lynn, you know, the Sox aren't in win, win now mode. So, I mean, Leon, what do you think about that trade? I mean, I, I think the White Sox did well considering where they are in their development stage. Uh, yeah. Playoffs last season, you know, uh, disheartening exit uh, in the wild card round, but I, I think that pitching staff has to catch up to the offense. And Lance Lynn is an innings leader. Dane Dunning is an expense uh, expendable uh, asset. It, it, it's the it's the move to make. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, somehow uh, Lance Lynn still has a pretty decent fastball. Uh, where is it? I, I have it right here. Dane Dunning's like at 91.7 miles per hour, uh, according to pitch effects. Lance Lynn's at 94 miles an hour last season. And, you know, who knows if, it, if he could have done, you know, the 2019 94.6 miles an hour. Every, you know, it's a game of interest. So every tenth of a decimal point counts here. But 94, he kept it above 94. And at his advanced age, that's pretty impressive that he could still throw it out there. And, uh, there's something else I wanted to take a look before we move on. And yeah, he still has a swinging strike percentage over 11%. So he misses some bats. I mean, it's not like this is a, a, a total loss for the White Sox as they try to go for it now. And now you have a starting rotation of uh, Lucas Giolito, 
Dallas Keuchel, mm -hmm. Lance Lynn. I mean, that's a really good top of the rotation full of veterans and, 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 and you got your leaders right there. And now you don't need to depend on Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech to carry the back end of that rotation because now you have some guys who uh, have been there before pitching for you. So there's that. Uh, let's see, what else did I notice here? Okay, yeah, like I said, Lancelin can miss some bad stand. Dane Dunning, uh, at 26 years old, he's still developing. Like, I don't think so, fam. No, nah, no, nah, yeah. you're not a rookie. You're not, yeah, so, uh, so let's calm down. Everybody, everything's fine for the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, the next trade looks like Rice Kelly Glacier City Angels for Noe Ramirez, uh, two 31-year-olds. Uh, this, I guess, the Reds, I almost call him knows how awful he is. So, anyway, uh, let's see here. Okay, so uh, I guess you can see my face now, right? Is that the case? Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. I don't know. This is uh, this is why I'm always kind of shaky when it's when I'm on the I'm in the control here, because uh, things can happen. So, but I'm good. That I'm glad that I'm audio. You can still hear me. Uh, let's see, Rice Iglesias, yeah, he had a decent season last year, but and, uh, I don't know how much you know about Nate Lowe, but Nate Lowe was uh, one of the Tampa Rays uh, big-time prospects, um, and he looked right. like he, he was going to get some at-bats this upcoming season, and then, boom, he gets traded and becomes expendable, um, and the Rangers are able to acquire two guys from the Rays, and all they had to give up was a starting pitcher by the name of Leon, no, Leo Crawford, not Leon Crawford, Leo Crawford. 24 years old. Any thoughts on this uh, sneaky under the radar trade here, Leon? Figure Nate Lau in Texas. You know, Texas is a hitter's ballpark, even if in a new in a new ballpark, uh, less pressure. Uh, Tampa coming off the World Series uh, appearance. I mean, granted, probably more at bats than you would have had in Tampa. Probably have better protection. Um, no, it's a, it's a great buy low candidate for them. All righty. Uh, let's see here. Free agents. That's what I wanted to talk about. Free agents. Let's quickly move on as uh, we got a lot to cover today. Uh, Adam Eaton, this is what I want to ask you about because I'm kind of, I'm really trying to be positive here because the last time Adam Eaton was in town, he was a, he was a, he was a cancer. Let's, let's call it for what it is. He's a cancer. He was a cancer in Arizona. He was a cancer with the White Sox. And he goes to the Nationals. Then we just talked about Dane Dunning. This is the reason why we were able to, why the White Sox got Dane Dunning was because of Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton was able to get the White Sox three, three pitching prospects. Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, Dane Dunning. And now Dane Dunning's gone. Reynaldo Lopez might be going to the bullpen. And all we got was uh, Lucas Giolito as uh, one of the better starting pitchers in all of Major League Baseball. So, And then we end up getting Adam Eaton back. But uh, I don't know, and I, I still remember what happened the last time he was here. But apparently with the Washington Nationals, and you are a big Washington Nationals fan, apparently he was on his best behavior. Is that what happened down there? Is that accurate to assess there, Leon? Well, yeah, I guess anything is good behavior compared to what Bryce Harper had. So Ooh. You, you, you look at that. I mean, he was instrumental into winning the World Series. It just sucked that he was injured for a good portion of the time he was here. Yeah. But his defense declined. He couldn't really stay healthy. He lost his speed. And it became evident that they weren't going to pick up that option. Um, you look at that trade 
way back when you say, oh, they gave up a lot. And in essence, they did. But you look at Lopez, he has good stuff, but he can't control it. Dunning turned into what he turned into. And credit to Giolito, he found his control and turned into the an AL Cy Young contender. So um, it was worth the price for the, for the championship, but getting Adam Eaton back for that young team, for that lineup, I, I think he's a perfect two hitter. You know, if you don't, if you're not playing right field every day, he's serviceable. Um, you know, Tim Anderson and, and, and Eaton at the top of that lineup for, the, for Abreu and those guys, it should really help a lot. It should. I mean, especially with Adam Eaton's contact skills, it should. Um, but he is getting old. You, you mentioned that he's been off injured. Um, and, yeah, he's a pesky hitter, but it seems like there's really no uh, pop in his bat anymore. Or any pop that was there is no longer there. So, and, and he doesn't do enough for it to uh, draw walks. But, again, that's a lineup of big boppers. And Eaton makes enough contact where he can kind of balance that lineup up uh, out a little bit. Uh, so that's a good thing. And he's a left-handed bat for better or for worse. He's left-handed and that should also provide some balance. So in that regard, it's a good deal. Um, I just, he better be on his best behavior. And so it's bad enough that we got Tony La Russa mm-hmm. trying to play sheriff, but now you bring in Adam Eaton to also play the same role. I'm kind of nervous about it. I'll admit I'm a little nervous and you already have Tim Anderson uh, out being outspoken about, that idea, like if you think that you're bringing in these guys, including Dallas Keuchel, who he called out this past week, if you think I'm, we're here because we need to be controlled, you have another thing coming. So I ask you, I might as well ask you a follow-up. Uh, how do you see that clubhouse dynamic with the White Sox uh, unfolding in 2021? Slow um, start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Russo with the track record and, you know, that the dynamic in the clubhouse, you know, it, it, it can be toxic for veteran guys looking with a high expectation, but I guess that's why you would have veteran leadership. That's you know, it, it was confusing as to why they fired Renteria, but you know, if, if they have a plan, they have to see it through, and it it would be incredibly uh, risky to mess up the dynamic and and vibe of a young team with so many voices coming in saying that you should do this. That's what made the White Sox so good. And I agree, man. Let them play. And I agree. They should. I mean, it's a young team. It's an exciting team. They have a lot of holes, but they're learning. They're growing. And I, I just don't want that dynamic to be messed up, you know? I, I, want, it to, uh, I want it to be good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but, but, yeah, but we'll see what happens. Uh I'm I'm trying to be optimistic, Leon. I'm for once in my life, I'm trying to be optimistic about the White Sox, and they keep doing all these things that make me scratch my head. And that's with people telling me, "Well, the Twins are going to be bad. Cleveland's going to be bad." Yeah, well, they were supposed to be bad in 2020 as well, and they once again passed over the White Sox uh, in the division this year. White Sox blew the lead, and they end up having to travel to Oakland. And you mentioned how disheartening that was for them to lose out, and. But anyway, I digress. Uh, that we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see if they make any other moves. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, Carlos Santana, not the guitarist, but the form. Speaking of which, the former Cleveland Indian uh, first baseman, um, 35 years old, signs with the Kansas City Royals, which is a weird move because the Royals are 
they're the Royals, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but good on them for realizing that they need some power uh, to kind of balance that speed out. What do you think about that? I, I think this is similar to a move what we see in basketball. You know, a veteran guy going to a young team, uh, provide, provide some leadership and eventually probably get traded at the deadline for uh, some young prospects or draft picks in that case. So, you know, he will perform for a good half of the season and then, you know, provide what he needs to provide and, you know, be traded to a contender midway through. So good for Kansas City realizing this is how this is the best way to acquire assets without having to, uh, without having the draft picks to, to, to move forward. So good for them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, whatever. Even you know, somebody, I forgot who was who it was. Maybe it was Sean or, or um, maybe some other podcast I was listening to. But they did mention that this is the time for these uh, non-contending teams to take advantage of a really bare free agent market. And sure enough, the Royals show up big, and well, not big, but big enough for them, right. where they get to acquire Carlos Santana and provide that on-base presence, that power presence for that, for that team. Uh, that's still, I don't know, man. I, I want to say that, the, that they're rebuilding and developing, but it seems like they're on a crossroads because a lot of their players um, that were in their farm system a couple years ago are already up in the big leagues. And they're still an incomplete team. So where do you go from here? What do you do with Adalberto Mondesi? What do you do with uh, uh, Whit Merrifield and all those guys? I mean, well, I mean, is that how you see the Royals too, or, uh, or am I overthinking this? What do you think? Uh, I think the Royals have a bunch of players that, you're right, they are in a crossroads, but I also think they have a bunch of players that they have to move. Uh, I think they held on to Merrifield too long. I, Salvador Perez, they kind of got caught when he got injured, so he's the biggest trade chip that they have, and they, they kept uh, a lot of their players in the championship team too long, but like I said, they're, they're stuck with, you know, middling draft picks and guys that were injured. Mondesi, I, I really think, is a player. Uh, they, their pitching is just god-awful. That's what they have to rebuild. But uh, guys like Merrifield and Perez would probably be moved, uh, if not this trade deadline, then in the offseason. Yeah, next offseason, you mean, Right. Right. Yeah, and you mentioned their pitching staff, and let's take a. Look. I want to take a look really quick because I remember there's like nothing there, and I want to see how nothing it is. Yeah, Danny Duffy, Brad Keller, Mike Miner, Brady Singer, who was a, I think he was a former former first round pick, who has not lived up to that first round potential. I, I at least in my opinion, and uh, Chris Bubich, who was uh, one of their highly touted prospects, but in the grand scheme of things, he's not that highly touted you know when you think of all the other major leagues put it this way mm -hmm. uh overall rank according to fan graphs he's the 110th best prospect in 2020 so think about that he's your number five starter their bullpen is where it's at though john with josh stallman and scott barlow at the back end but everything else is, is an adventure everything else is kind of a mystery um so so yeah, they got a lot of work to do. But yeah, we we you talked about all those other guys. Jorge Soler is another guy. Uh, Hunter Dozier. What do you do with Hunter Dozier? He's nearing thirty years old. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of mismatch of pieces over there. I don't know how they. 
I don't know what the hell they're doing anymore. Yeah. So it's like, this is, that's, that's like the worst spot to be is like, you're, you're, you're not that bad to be waiting for these prospects to come aboard, but you're not that good to be contending. You're, you're in hell. Okay. So you're waiting for Bobby Witt. He's due when with the ETA early 2022. So 21 is another wasted year. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. It's like, it's, yeah. there's nothing else. Anyway. Um, yeah, this isn't Royal. I was just kind of curious. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go. Oh, no, it, it was to thank, because uh, they tried Michael Franco at third, and then they kind of hit a home run, got lucky with uh, Rosenthal last year, and they traded him. So, you know, it, it's a hit or miss with the Royals, mostly miss, but yeah, it, I digress. Stallman is a beast. It's big misses. I mean, Daniel Lynch, uh, yeah, he's supposed to be in double A. He's our number two, number three prospect. So that shows me that they're all ways away, man. They're, 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 they're just what just playing for the sake of playing you're not doing anything and i don't know this is like the orioles from last year when i look when i look at the orioles roster it's like you're not doing anything you're not tanking all the way through and you're not competing at all so why do you exist what what is your purpose in major league baseball and that's kind of where the royals are of this upcoming season so anyway that's enough talk about the royals it's really depressing (laughs) um david Dahl. uh this is another guy that we constantly bring up on this podcast we brought him up last week uh on the show where he was kind of surprisingly non-tendered by the colorado rockies after the season that he went through Uh, he's only 27 years old he was supposed to be a kind of a five-tool player with the rockies the next big thing for that outfield never materialized got a spleen removed and for his trouble he gets let go by the Rockies, gets picked up by the Texas Rangers, who have been very busy this offseason. Any hope for David Dahl in Texas for you, uh, Leon? Again, Texas is a hitter's ballpark, but that lineup again, you know, it, we've now with Nate Lau in there. So Texas is, is, is a team that does a lot of moves, but doesn't really get anywhere because mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they fail so often. They tried to get Rendon. They tried, they had Kluber and that kind of failed. So you look at um, uh, uh, Dahl, you know, high, low risk, high reward type guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, for them, it, it works out fine. They're kind of like in the middle of nowhere. So if it doesn't work out, oh, well. Yeah. If it works out, great. Um, and and Dahl is, is a proven hitter. It just has to stay on the field. That's the problem. Yeah, and uh, I've always had high hopes for the guy. He looks like he could be one of those power-speed combination. Um, it's like you said, though. It's like, can you stay on the field long enough to materialize your potential? And it's and the, and the Rangers. I'm looking at their prospects list, and that's another team that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we thought the Royals were in the crossroads. This is the this is who they're crossroading with. Uh, this is the Rangers are. They have no farm system whatsoever. They're, put it this way. They're, they're supposed – their number one prospect for 2020, according to Fangraphs, Yeri Rodriguez, is number 97 overall. So, no. And, and he's supposed to be early 2022 is the estimated time of arrival. Uh, they're screwed too, man. Another wasted season for them. And that's a shame because they're in an even easier division than the White Sox are – or the Royals are, I should say. Like, if they really wanted to, they can actually go out there and – attack and they're yeah. just kind of stuck on neutral and th- i'm looking at their lineup it's awful it's just joey gallo trying to do something with this lineup of mismatch uh, pieces again 
Uh, they have no bench to speak of. They have uh, very questionable starting pitching. And the bullpen sucks. So, so, so no, this is bad. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad team. Like, these teams really didn't take advantage of the shortened season uh, as far as bringing up their prospects and fast-tracking them, which I thought Baltimore did a really good job of doing. Um, but, you know, Texas it, it was really caught in hell. You, you got guys like Odor and um, Andrews. These are your chips that you can move it to, to accelerate the process. But, yeah. you know, yeah, now they make moves like Lau and, and Dahl to really try to make up for it because they struck out as well in free agency trying to get Rendon. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what Texas does and uh, forever along here. Yeah, I was looking for Elvis Andrews, and according to Fangraphs, he's now on the bench. What was the point? What was the what was the point of extending him? What was the point of keeping him around? Why didn't you trade him? And now his value continues. To, he's like his number one value is that he can steal bases. He's not even going to be doing that for you to showcase for other teams who might be interested. It's a no. I don't like this team at all, man. This is this is really bad for both fantasy and real life baseball. And I'm, I'm sorry, you're going to say something over there. I was gonna say he probably only catches the shields, but you know that's the last time you'll you'll see a playoff game in Texas. <laughs> well, it was a good run. I mean, unless Major League Baseball go, does what Scott Boris wants them to do and just have it on neutral field, maybe Texas will be hosting another World Series if it was up to Scott <laughs> Boris. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know uh, the Cowboys won't be hosting any playoff games, so Texas is kind of kind of dry right now. So <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Well, the Ma- there's always a Mavericks. So there's always a Mavericks up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, the Dallas Stars, I-, I believe they went to the Stanley Cup final, but nobody cares about hockey. So whatever. Outside of Canada, right? So <laughs> we'll move on to the last uh, free agent, the big name that was acquired, big name in quotation marks, right? But again, uh, it's these middling teams who are, or these uh, crossroad teams who are trying to take advantage of everybody else kind of sleeping uh, everybody uh, else kind of waiting around for George Springer, JT Real Mudo, Dave Dylan Mayhew to see what they're going to do. Uh, so the Mets were like, all right, well, now's the time for us to strike. And we're going to get our catcher that we've been needing since forever now, since Mike Piazza probably, maybe Todd Pratt, Todd Hundley. And now you have James McCann. Is it James McCann or James McCant? I don't know, but he's your starting catcher, whether you like it or don't like it. Once again, James McCann uses a – a, a hot streak in the second half to be relevant again. So I know that Sean, unfortunately, he's out sick with uh, with what looks like, at the very least, is the flu, um, the flu game, right? He did not want to step mm-hmm. up to that challenge, I guess, right? Hope you feel better, Sean. I'm just joking around. But James McCann, he wanted to do a little rant against James McCann, and he's not going to be able to do it, but we'll do it for him. I don't get this. Four years, $40 million. I know they need a catcher, but I don't think this is your answer to that question at catcher do you see it differently there leon what do you think um i i do a bit you know you look at last year with wilson ramos he was a terrible pitch framer uh his offense at the plate was sporadic and he was god awful slow um (laughs) you know the big you know the big fish is jt but you you worry about giving him a five-year and and hundred million dollar deal knowing you have other uh, needs to fill such a center field. So yeah. you look elsewhere uh, in, in McCann and he is a defensive 
pitch framing catcher who has serviceable offensive skills. Um, you look at that pitching staff, that's the strength of their team. Uh, you know, if not like the Grom needs any help, but you look at guys like Stroman, you look at guys like Matt, uh, Peterson, those guys, if they can benefit, and, and that bullpen, if they can benefit from uh, getting a few outs from their catcher, it's well worth it because their offense is well enough with uh, Dom Smith and, and Alonzo and McNeil, but you don't need a, an offensive first catcher. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's as bad as they made it out to be. Well, here's why I think it's bad, right? And, and, and I know this because White Sox fans will tell me this. Well, the smart ones will. Most White Sox fans are kind of pissed that James McCann lost his uh, starting uh, role uh, when Yasmani Grandal got signed. But there's a reason why McCann has always been just jumping around and toiling around and as a backup, never was able to take that starting position into his own. It's because not only has he been more bad than good offensively, but his actual, his fielding is kind of questionable. Last year was, according to Fangraphs, that was his best frame year uh, where he was positive. Otherwise, according to Fangraphs' uh, frame uh, metrics, framing metrics, he's at negative 36.4. And I know people are going to bring up, well, Lucas Giolito was able to pitch a no-hitter with him. But let's face it, last year was a fluky year. So it only makes sense that a fluky catcher with a fluky starting pitching was able to give you a fluky result. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he's 31 years old. And his offense is suspect, man. I, I, don't, I don't trust him. We've seen, we've seen him do this with the Tigers before. We've seen him do this with the White Sox before. And the Mets decided, yeah, we want more of that for the next four years. And I, if you've been listening to this podcast, everybody out there, I've been wanting the Mets to go after JT Real Muto aggressively. And I don't know, I don't know if it's the price tag that scared them off, or the fact that they would give up a first round pick. But Sean will tell you, hey, we do very well with our first round picks, so we don't, we don't want to, you know, let them go away from us. But I don't know. This isn't. I don't think this is your answer. I honestly don't think, but we'll see. I, I'm, I'm trying to be having an open mind. Maybe they think they can uh, do something long-term with James McCann, but I'm just not buying it right now. I'm, I'm kind of perplexed by it all. Go ahead. I also think that the, the Mets are also a bit behind the eight ball. Now, granted, they also have, they brought in a new owner, spending money. So if there's assets to, to spend, now the, the Mets were awful at throwing out runners yeah you look at these teams in a division you got Trey Turner you have Acuna and you have the Marlins they'll run all day um <laughs> if they improve in that aspect that'll improve their defense it'll improve their pitching and who knows it also might gain them a few wins uh you mentioned the offense the White Sox offense picked up in the second half of that shortened season mm -hmm. you look at this Mets offense with this Mets lineup with Conforto and, and the rest of his team he doesn't have to be great offensively. He just has he doesn't have to be an automatic out. <laughs> you know, so and a non-automatic out with some with some speed, I think he'll be serviceable. Uh, you got JT who, if you give him a five-year deal, he's not catching all five years. You're gonna have to move him to first base at some point, uh, and and the Mets have a log jam at first base, so that's not gonna happen. Um, you can. Commit to commit camp for four years, uh, see where you go, and I, I and 
I've been saying this, you know, kind of probably, I think Riamuto still goes to the Nationals. To the Nationals? Yeah. Wow. I can see that. Nationals are not shy about spending money and giving away first round picks. So I, 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 I could see it happening. Uh, to your point, the stolen base thing, uh, apparently, according to Fangraphs, uh, their advanced metrics, they do rate him pretty positively with uh, keeping runners in check. So that is uh, true on your part as far as these metrics go. Um, but yeah, everything else about him is, for me, it's just I don't see four-year starter. I, just, I see a guy who needs, he's going to need some uh, shares. And Thomas Nito had a decent season as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they go 50-50 eventually with these two. But like again, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be positive. You know, this is uh, it, it, listen. I'm trying to be very positive about the Mets. So I, I believe that they had enough players. I mean, you know, I, I just from fantasy baseball alone, I picked up all the Mets players that I could handle in a league full of Mets fans. You know, because I see them and individually, they are really good, and they should be better than what they when the, what they have shown collectively. They sh there's no reason why the Marlins make the playoffs and the Mets couldn't. We've seen the Mets, uh, the the Marlins death uh, in their uh, depth chart and their roster it's awful it has got awful yeah Matt Joyce starting in right field and yeah nobody no Mets fan would ever trade places with the Marlins right now not even with the playoff appearance and the fact that you have a chance with a new owner to make a big splash and this and, and they decide to just make just do a little drip instead I'm trying to be positive because I, I believe in this new owner I believe what they're going to try to do is uh is in the right direction but this is off to a bad start right here. I, I don't like it. You're you're a little bit more optimistic than I am. I'm really trying not to be too negative. But like I said, I think JT Riomuto, even with the idea that, yeah, he's getting old and wear and tear and he might play first base, I still believe he would have been the better option for the next three or four years, as opposed to James McCann, who's, who I see no upside to him and not even a safe floor to begin with. So anyway, that's enough about James McCann. I don't want to talk about him anymore. He's making me, <laughs> where's my $40 million? Jesus Christ. All right, which brings us to our next topic here. And uh, and that's what uh, we're, we're gonna talk about some starting pitching. Uh, and the way I, I, I put this in my mind, the way I, the way I framed it, yeah, frame, pitch framing. I'm pitching a frame, frame pitching. The way I framed it to Sean <laughs> was, we should do a show where we look outside the top 50 starting pitchers because in a, from a fantasy baseball standpoint, the top 48 pitchers, that's basically one pitcher for all 12 teams. So it's four pitchers, four starting pitchers, four starting pitchers for, for a 12 team league. All right. Four, that's four borderline ace pitchers, right? It's a good one through four, but you still need more starting pitchers, right? You still need other guys to come in and, and help you out. And, and the trend has been you wait around a little bit for pitching because there's so many of them that kind of do the same thing. They're all interchangeable, right? So let's take a look. Let's take a look how interchangeable it is. And I got the fan tracks, uh, uh, average draft position so far right now um, as of this winter. And the first name that I see here are guys like Aaron Savali, David Price, Chris Bassett, Tony Gosselin, so on and so forth. Leon. Uh, let's go between 50 and 55. Who, what name there sticks out to you the most between those, uh, the, between that range from 50 to 55? I do like uh, Tony Gosselin. Um, 
on, on a Dodgers, he, I, I think he's a benefactor of a good lineup. I, I think he'll, uh, they'll extend his innings next year as well. He has a high K rate and that's what I'm looking for, you know, going outside the top 50, you know, you, you, yeah, you ask yourself, uh, do you take an ace from a bad team? Do you take a guy with a high K rate or do you have a guy who eats innings? So, uh, Tony Goswin, in, in this case, to me, uh, checks a couple of those boxes. He's not an ace, but he does uh, fill up the strike zone and miss bats. So uh, I like Goswin in, in this uh, on this list. Dude, he's not an ace, but he has ace ace stuff. Ace is the place. Ace right. quality stuff, man. I, I really like this kid. Uh, I tell Sean all the time, the only thing that sucks about Tony Goswin is like he plays for the Dodgers, who like to baby their starting pitchers and for good reason. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's very frustrating because you want to see these guys just go every five days. Just go, man, go five innings, get those easy wins with a good lineup with the Dodgers, get those high strikeouts, um, you know, get those uh, big whips and big ERAs. And of course it's the opposite with the ERAs and whips, but you know what I mean? And I mean, last year, right. Tony Gonsolin had a whip of 0.84. I mean, yeah, and I know it's a small sample size because he didn't pitch a lot of innings because uh, he, he would mm -hmm. always like either uh, uh, be an opener or be a piggyback, whatever the terms are now. But I just want to see a traditional starting pitcher in Tony Gonsolin that can go at least five innings, try to qualify for the win, get those quality starts, yield those high strikeouts, and win me a championship. Is that too much to ask? I mean, it, it shouldn't be. You know, he... <laughs> he went six innings four times last year. Uh, Dave Roberts is known for, you know, coddling his starting pitchers. It, it, if you had Walker Buehler last year, you were frustrated. So, I, 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 well, I think with a, a more traditional schedule, I, I think you'll see these pitchers extended more. So if I were in the middle rounds, he'd be one of the top guys. I, I just take off the board immediately. And especially with uh, the names that I mentioned, Aaron Savali, David Price, Chris Bassett, Tony Gonsolin, Christian Javier, and Zach Davis, uh, Tony Gonsolin is the guy with the most upside. So I don't blame you for picking him. Um, but I do, like I said, I do see David Price also with the Dodgers, unless it, he's still with the Dodgers, right? He didn't get traded or anything, right? He just didn't play last year. Right. He, he, yeah, he just opted out last year. Yeah, it's a shame. He could have gotten another championship, but oh well. Um, he probably would have blown it anyway. <laughs> But, I mean, he's David Price is well-rested. Uh, he's an established veteran. Uh, he's not going anywhere uh, unless they do something with that big contract of his. Uh, so, at, at the very least, I know he can. He has the stuff and he has the, the track record to be – I want to choose my words carefully, Leon, before I get called out. To be a, a serviceable starting pitcher this late in the draft. There you go. So <laughs> – I, and I know Sean would, if he were here, he would probably probably be hyping up Christian Javier. I believe he's with the Astros, and I, I know he would be hyping him up right now at this point. Let's take a look at uh, numbers 56 to 60. Which we got Tristan McKenzie, Dallas Keuchel, who we just mentioned, Tyler Mayle, Joe Musgrove, and Andrew Haney. Again, it's a hell of a decent to even maybe good group of pitchers right here, but which one sticks out to you the most here? Um, I, I really like what I saw out of Tristan McKenzie last year. Uh, strong finish. Uh, you know, he'll 
fill out his frame over the offseason where he had a high strikeout rate. You look at Cleveland, uh, their pitching development staff is, you know, among the top in the league. So it's only it's nowhere to go but up. And you're facing lineups like uh, KC and Detroit, even with Carlos Santana over in KC. Uh, I have faith in Francona and that pitching development staff to really elevate McKenzie to the next level. Yeah, man, I like him a lot too. I just need to know if he's going to be uh, guaranteed innings, if he's going to be guaranteed a starting uh, rotation spot. And it looks like he might be. I mean, the Indians just continue to trade pieces away uh, on their big league roster. And like you said, and we mentioned on this podcast before, Cleveland has just proven to be a, a pitching factory as, you know, they get rid of some guys and they just keep developing other guys to take over the established veterans who keep getting moved for more prospects and for cheaper sources of uh, production. And it's pretty remarkable and amazing. Of all the teams, Cleveland, it's, it's just crazy to me. Go ahead. I know I, I was saying, you, you're right. It, of all of them, they had Kluber and uh, a bunch of other guys, but they just keep churning them out, churning them out. And you know, it, it's credit to them. And we mentioned Aaron Savali at, at number 50 as the, at the average draft position, otherwise known as ADP. Uh, right now, Cleveland has Tristan McKenzie at the number five spot. But, I mean, look at this look at this pitching staff. Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Plesak, and Aaron Savali, and, to, and then Tristan McKenzie at number five. And that doesn't even include all the other guys they have in their minor league system and who are ready to step up if they need to. It's usually these nobodies, these no-name nobodies that nobody knows about, say that 20 times fast, and Logan Allen, I mean, I remember Logan Allen from the San Diego Padres. He's still around. So it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a wealth of riches over there. Um, my guy, I do like McKenzie, but if I, got, I, I want to pick someone different. My guy is Taylor, Tyler Mayle, who stepped up for me in all my fantasy leagues uh, late in the year last year, coming out of the bullpen and into the starting rotation and then getting out of the starting rotation and back into the bullpen. And now with the Reds getting rid of uh, Trevor Bauer, or not re-signing Trevor Bauer, there's no way Bauer's coming back to the Cincinnati. Um, but now they have a rotation spot for him. And he proved to be really good last year. Uh, high velocity, high strikeout rate. Uh, Jesus. And I, I know it's kind of murky because he, he, he was going, like it seemed like he was going back and forth between the bullpen and, and, and the starting rotation. But 11.33K per nine. The walks are a little bit of a problem. But I'm sure you could get that fixed soon enough uh, with another year of seasoning. And now that he would have a rotation spot uh, available to him on the ready. But the thing about that I like about him is that he's still pitching with a high velocity of about 93, 94 miles an hour, which is kind of close to uh, what Lance Lynn has, which we I was marveling at at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, and then here's the big one, 13.8 swinging strike rate. That's the highest of his career. That's the highest number I've mentioned so far in this podcast. He likes to, he induces swings. Uh, it's just, I, I like where he's come from. Uh, he's come a long way from being that whatever pitcher with the Reds to becoming a, do I dare say, top of the rotation starting pitcher. So I, any thoughts on Tyler Mail on your end? I mean, you can't dispute the stuff. The numbers show it. The only thing you can dispute is how sustainable it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can he go two, three times to a lineup? It is, you know, it, is that possible? But 
the innings of air. Um, yeah. Red team to be going through a rebuilding phase, so he'll have all the time to work that out. And if the numbers show that the 13 uh, K per nine, you know, I'm going to take a chance on that as well as the flexibility of him having a reliever, a reliever pitching spot. So I can always throw him in there as a stash. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not, I mean, yeah, this is, this is the spot that we look for those stashes, right? I mean, like I said, you, you should already have, theoretically speaking, because nothing's theoretical, but theoretically speaking, you should already have four starting pitchers at this point uh, of the, uh, of this list here, of this ADP list. Now we're just looking for those upside guys, those guys who are not being drafted high enough, those guys who are being overlooked. I mean, what we call them sleepers, right? I mean, I don't like right. to label things because my brain doesn't work that way. But for you guys would know, everybody else would know them as sleepers and and deep sleepers and post-high sleepers or whatever the hell. I don't like using labels mm -hmm. like that. But this is it. This is where you uh, try to get those guys who uh, everybody's overlooking and you're, they're on the bench uh, today and they're going to be in your starting lineup in, during the championship game. At least that's the hope. Moving on to 61 through 65, Chris Sale, Nate Pearson, Jose Urquidi, Brady Singer, and Zach Eflin. Who do you like that list? Now, I, I will say last year, being that it was such a weird year, um, I drafted a lot of rookies last year with the, ex, with the expect, uh, expecting them to come up at some point. So I drafted Nate Pearson. I drafted uh, Sixto Sanchez. And he turned out to be amazing. So although although Pearson started out kind of he started out okay and then got hurt. Um, I like where Toronto is going. They're heavy in the free agency market. Um, he shows a plus fastball. You worry about the AL East lineups. Um, you know, if you were to look for a guy, I, I, I would take a flyer on Pearson based on his upside. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I'm kind of surprised that he's getting drafted this late because fantasy leaguers love upside guys, especially highly touted prospects like Nate Pearson, who was at, at one point, I, I thought I saw him in the top 10 last year. I could have sworn I saw him top 10. I know Sean is a big believer in Nate Pearson. Uh, if you guys pay attention to what he was doing with his uh, – Oh, that, that uh, baseball simulator that he was doing. I forgot, out of the ballpark baseball, I think it was. I forget. But mm -hmm. Nate Pearson was the big piece of that starting rotation of his for the Colorado Rockies, for the make-believe Colorado Rockies team that he was uh, running. Uh, and I believe they won a championship. So kudos to Sean for showing his uh, front office medal there. And Nate Pearson was uh, one of his aces. So I like Pearson a lot. I, I just, uh, I need, we need to see more of him. But yeah, of those other guys that you mentioned, I'd probably take him over everybody else there. But, you know, I want to be different. So I'm going to go with Jose Urquidy, which is another, listen, Jose Urquidy of the Houston Astros, he was a guy I was very, like, I was trying to get his, in all my mock drafts, late in the, in the drafts. I was a big believer in this kid. Uh, only 25 years old. Uh, you know, he got hurt last year. And his numbers were not that good. You know, when he did come back, he did was able to come back and pitch for five games. But like I said, he came back from injury. I, I still want to believe in him. I still want to see good things out of him because, uh, yeah, there's people were sleeping on him last year. They're going to even sleep on him more so this year because of the, of the unknown that he brings. But I want to say that 2020 was a fluke. It doesn't count. I'm still focusing on 2019. 
on his 2019 production and hoping that we get a repeat. Again, a guy with a healthy fastball at 93 miles an hour on average. Uh, so it's not like he lost any velocity last year. It's just that he was rusty from not being able to um, to pitch right away. And, uh, and he's still a work in progress, Leon. But last year, even with that work in progress, he was still inducing a 51.3 swing rate. Anything about 50, that's every other pitch uh, these hitters are swinging. So he induces swings. The swinging strike percentage wasn't there in 2020, but in 2019, it was at 12%. So he, there is some swing and miss to him uh, in, in terms of those numbers. So uh, that's what gets me excited. So I'm hoping if, if I want to pick someone outside of Nate Pearson, this is my, my number two guy right here. So I'm hoping for some Jose Requiti. Any thoughts on him really quick uh, before I move on to the next list here? Oh, no, I, I agree on Requiti. You know, he's a guy who's guaranteed a spot. I don't think the Astros will be any good. But as another uh, uh, section you, you look for, you know, aces or number two guys on bad teams, you know, Verland is going to be out next year. So he's guaranteed innings. The only thing you worry about is Dusty Baker. You know, uh, but, you know, he's going to get his innings and, you know, it, you look for the progression because I like what I saw from him in 2019. He shows real grit in the playoffs, swing and miss stuff. And you're right, 2020 seemed to be a fluke. Um, it, it, it's a good player to take, uh, good player to take a flyer on. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, and, and I still believe in the Astros. I mean, they have a, they, they, wow. I mean, looking at their lineup. Everything is good from one through six. Then you get through seven through nine, and it's like, oh boy, oh boy, you uh, you sure you want to go with that? The last three guys in the lineup, according to a roster resource over at Fangraphs, Miles Straw, Chaz McCormick, and Martin Maldonado, the catcher. So I mean, he at least he's established. We know what he can do. It's those other two guys I've, I haven't even heard of before until right now, and they and, that, and their bench is even worse. But their rotation is still decent. Zach Greinke, Framber Valdez, Lance McCullers Jr., Jose Urquidy, and Christian Javier. Uh, so there's still some hope. Bullpen doesn't look as dominant as in years past. So that, that might be a train wreck. But that rotation might surprise a few people, I think. They'll be better than Texas. Oh, gee. Look at that. At least they're better than the Rangers. They look on paper. They look way better than the Rangers who are, who have no idea what the hell they're doing. At least we know what the Astros are trying to do. They're just trying to weather the storm from not having any first uh, or second round picks in the next two drafts. And and there's a reason why Dusty Baker is here because they're, they should be in win now mode, but not with that lineup and not with that bullpen, but they'll try with that rotation. And that's, that's not a bad rotation over there. Anyway, 66 through 70. John means. Mackenzie Gore, James Paxton, Corey Kluver, and I'm going to butcher this name, but it's Kwang Young Kim. Who does Leon like on this list? It is, this is, this is weird. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go with James, I'm going to go with James Paxton. You, yeah. I, I think he suffered from just being on the Yankees. I, I think there is something to pitching at Yankee Stadium, having that, you know, pressure and mystique going in. Because once you get past the first inning, he's lights out. Yeah. The problem is he, you know, you're down three nothing before that happens. Um, <laughs> you look at his numbers in Seattle. He was his K rate is there. 
depending on what team he goes to, I, I think he will end up in in a, in a central team. But I, I, I like where Paxton is going. He's projected probably to be a number three guy. So you know you're going to get innings and lefties stay in this league forever. No, that, that is true. And I love James Paxton, but that's the thing with, with, that, with him, right? It's uh, who are we talking about who's always hurt? Uh, David Dahl. The thing with James Paxton is he can never stay healthy. I loved him in Seattle, but he's never pitched more than 30 games. Uh, started more than 30 games, I should say. He's never pitched over 160 innings, which doesn't matter at this point. I guess not. But he was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to be that future ace with the Mariners. And he, he showed flashes, but it wasn't enough to be consistent. It wasn't enough for them to believe in. And then sure enough, you, I mean, you, you hear from the Yankee fans all the time how much they hate this guy. So because yeah. he doesn't show up, he's nowhere to be found, and he's always hurt, and they call him a you-know-what. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, yeah this, I like that pick, though, because he is an established uh, veteran. He does still have a little bit of upside, not enough, but a little bit. And um, a little bit enough where it's I'm interested in to see right. if uh, if this upcoming year. And again, depending where he goes, if he goes to uh, if he goes to the Reds, even though the Reds have a, a very short field in terms of the home runs, Cincinnati. I mean, that's a nice fallback option for James Paxton. I mean, we saw what happened with Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray, and uh, and Luis Castillo is always the goods down there. So. Um, and, and Tyler Mayo, who's we just mentioned, is always trying to turn his career around at the moment. You might have something down there. You might have something down there. And, and James Paxton might be a nice bounce back candidate. Again, depends where he goes. Anyway, uh, my guy, I, 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 by default, because I really don't like this uh, list of uh, five, but my guy is Mackenzie Gore just because of the known uh the prospect notoriety that he's we've been kind of been, we've been kind of waiting for him for a while, and now is a good as time as any for him to step up and take over a rotation spot, I think. I mean, is he right. is he worse than Joey Lucchese, who's listed as a number five starter? I don't think so. I know you still have Mike Clevenger, but he just had Tommy John surgery, so he's out. So, yeah, I, I really like um, Mackenzie Gore here. It's now or never. Mackenzie Gore is still the number one prospect for the San Diego Padres. Uh, he's expected to start the year at AAA, but... I'm ready. I'm ready for that debut, man. I'm just kind of anxiously waiting for him to step up and take what's rightfully his. Uh, any thoughts on Gore there? Yeah, I mean, I think a strong spring training would really help his confidence. I, I think he'll be fast-tracked if that happens, knowing Clevenger is out and the Padres have high expectations. So they want to hit the ground running. Uh, the only thing I guess you worry about with that is, you know, the whole service time manipulation. So, <sighs> yeah, that's so Mackenzie, Mackenzie Gore... Yeah, Mackenzie Gore, you, you can probably draft and stash depending on the number of teams in your league. You, you have no choice. I mean, I mean, he's better than that list that I just gave you, right? And he's probably better than right. some of those pitchers that we mentioned in the previous list. And at this point, you just have to be very patient. If you draft, you just got to... Stash him and forget that he exists until it's time for him to be called up and you realize, because no, let's face it, he's going to be the number one priority the week or the day that he gets called up by the Padres and is penciled in to make a start for them and for the big league team. It's going to happen. 
Now the service time, I'm really bad with that with that stuff, but I agree. Because uh, you don't know what the Padres are going to do. Because they gave up service time for Fernando Tatis. That doesn't mean that they're going to do the same for all of their prospects. They basically did Tatis a favor because they were trying to do Machado a favor. That was probably one of the perks of bringing him in, right? right? I want to play with this Tatis guy. And I know that is because that's the reason, the big reason why he was called up when everybody thought he was going to start in the minors was because Manny Machado wanted him up. Like right now, 2019, let's go. I want I want him to be my shortstop. And I'll more than be happy to move to third base, even though I told all the other teams that I would not move to third base. But he made that exception. And that counts uh, for something. So we'll see. Um, I don't like this. I, and that's, oh man, I don't want to go into a rant, but this is very frustrating. It's like, any other sport we just did together you and i we did the nba draft right and we're excited as mm -hmm. all hell because we're going to see tomorrow's superstars get drafted right there literally tomorrow not next year not two years from now not three years from now literally tomorrow we you just show highlights alonzo ball and isaac okoro mm -hmm. uh and ball is life and yeah. odds are those guys are going to be getting some decent minutes when the league gets going again uh, around christmas they're not, they're not going to toil away in the Gatorade uh, League or, or, or in, in Europe or in whatever. They're going to be on the bench, and they're going to play anywhere between 18 and 20, 25 minutes a game. And, they're, and you're going to see them develop in live NBA action. Mackenzie Gore, who's one of the better prospects out there in a firmer first-round pick, a major hype around him, we're under the mercy of the Padres to kind of forget about the long-term aspect of things. And bring him up now so we can be excited for him. By the time we get excited for him, it doesn't matter. Like the season's already underway and it's the dog days of summer. And it's like, it just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I hate that about Major League Baseball. Like, well, you know, it's smart because they get an extra year out of him. Okay. Meanwhile, your sport suffers for it. It's such a stupid system, but whatever. Like, guys, my thing is, if, you're, if he's good enough to help you now, bring him up right now. Like you mentioned, if he, if he gets off to a really good spring training, why do you need him to go back to the minor leagues? Yeah, I, I see a lot of teams trending away from service time manipulation. You saw the Mets do it with Alonzo. Uh, you saw the Nationals do it with Soto. You saw the Braves do it with Acuna. If you have these guys willing to help you now, why wait around? Championships aren't guaranteed. And look at what's happening with all the minor league teams being disbanded where are these guys going to go? So you might, you might as well bring them up, have them take their lumps because what are you going to do? Toil away in, in the minors, you know, just bring them up, get that experience and see what you have. It, it, it just makes no sense. And, and I think we're trending away from uh, service time manipulation because it also leads to bad blood on the back end as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're seeing that with Chris Bryant with the Cubs. I mean, it ended up being a good move for the Cubs, but now years later, we don't know what to do with Chris Bryant. Or is he going to come back? Should we trade him? Everybody knows you're trying to trade him. So who knows if his value is even there? And not just that, but he's been exposed. You, all you did with this service time manipulation is you exposed Chris Bryant. Like there's nothing hiding from the fact that Chris Bryant has been not only struggling producing, but all the scout numbers from that the StatCast numbers are unleashing to the public, everybody has access to those numbers. And Sean will be the first one to tell you, 
Sean, I'm thinking about you, buddy. I hope you get better. Seriously. Sean will be the first one to tell you, yeah, there's something going wrong with Chris Bryant. I don't know if he's hurt still or if he's maybe this bad or if he lost his batting eye, whatever it is. These teams see what we see. And there's really nothing about Chris Bryant that makes you believe like, wow, this Chris Bryant, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna not yield you a lot of prospects. So you watch out. First of all, teams are getting smart to that. And secondly, even if he goes out to free agency, I fail to see any team wanting to give him the money that Scott Boris wants from him because he's exposed. Like you go to a StatCast page, it's all blue. There's nothing red about it. And when I say it's all blue, it's it, it's low exit velocity. Uh, velocity, sorry, the, my Mexicanness came out. Low exit velocity, not velocity, velocity. Uh, and low um, scouting numbers, like low launch angles, low this, low that, low bat speed, low, I forgot what the other ones are, uh, low expected weighted on base average. Everything's low. This guy's so low that he might as well be Home Depot. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I got one more joke for you since you're giggling. This guy's so low, he not only should be Home Depot, he should also be Victor Ola Depot. Yeah! I think you you used up your allotment. No, I'm just getting started. (laughs) You're done. Uh, Honestly, I don't know. When did we start? Did we start at 3.30 or or 3.15? Because it's already 4.30 Central on my end. But uh, I think we've gone through the hour um let me think here well, let's go through this last list right we got 70 okay. through 75 you go with that or no yeah, i'm good all right 70 through 75 let's go and then we'll uh, finish up with uh, the last uh, the back end of this list the uh, falling short of getting to the 100 but we'll see what next week brings jamison tyone michael kopek noah Syndergaard, griffin canning dane dunning who we mentioned at the top of the show here of that list who do you like now, now, this is an interesting list because you can either go with a guy with high upside who's going to guarantee you innings, or you can go with a guy who has a proven track record in Syndergaard, mm-hmm. or you can go with a guy who has a stri- high strikeout rate with a good lineup in Canning. Mm. I'm, I'm going to go with Canning here because of that lineup uh. as well as, you know, projected two, three starter. LA is desperate for pitching. Uh, he showed good promise last year. Um, if you're looking for wins, you're more than likely to get you there now with the addition of Iglesias. So, you know, it, it, it's good to look at. I'm, I'm a little weary of a guy coming off of a Tommy John surgery and knowing knowing the guards work that he'll work hard, but he's also often injured as well. No, I'm the opposite. Uh, I This guy, Noah Syndergaard, is my guy. Uh, and that's with Michael Kopech being there. But I don't know where Michael Kopech is. I mean, last year, not showing. I understand these players not wanting to show up because of COVID and all that. And I and Kopech, I don't know what his deal is, but he's also had uh, injury problems as well. But I am a big Noah Syndergaard fan. I love the kid. No, the kid. No, not the kid. He's not a kid anymore. He's a, he's a grown-ass man, goddammit. But Noah Syndergaard, uh, I've always liked him. I like his stuff. I like his makeup. I, he has that bulldog mentality. Noah Syndergaard is usually a top 12 pitcher, starting pitcher, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, is that mostly hype? Probably. But the way I see it, he should be coming back right in time for uh, the start of the season from Tommy John surgery. Uh, as many Mets fans tell me that he's ready to go as maybe as soon as April. I mean, like I said, this guy's usually top 15 at the worst 
and you get him at number 71, 72, 73, you get him as a number four, number five, number six starting pitcher. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you try? Why, why, why be afraid and not just stash him away? This is like a, a real prime stash, a high upside guy. Syndergaard is only what, 20, 28 years old coming into the season. Well, well, let me rephrase that. He's not fresh. But relatively speaking, I mean, he didn't play last year. He just has to make sure that he rehabs his arm. And we'll see what happens. We've seen plenty of good uh, good bounce back candidates from Tommy John surgery. And uh, I'm hoping we see more of that with Noah Syndergaard. Uh, the last time he pitched a full season was in 2019. He pitched 197 innings. So that that counts for something. Now, the strikeouts were, were dropped for some reason. And that's kind of a concern. But like I said, I still have high hopes for him. Uh, I, I'm a big truther of Noah Syndergaard, so to speak. I, I love the kid. Uh, kid again. He's not a kid. He's an adult. He's a grown-ass man. I like him. Uh, on any other team, he's probably the ace of their starting rotation. Luckily for him, he pitches for the Mets where Jacob DeGrom is the ace. So no no pressure on him. So it, it, he should be easy-peasy, good to go. All right. And then finally, the last of the list, we get to number 80. And, boy, this is a doozy of a list right here, brother. Michael Pineda, Luis Severino. Eduardo Rodriguez, Justice Sheffield, Sean Manea. And, and we have a few Yankee connections on this list as well. So that's kind of funny to me. But who do you like on this one? Um, I, I, it's going to be weird. I, I like Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, mm. this is the point where you take, I, I would, you know, my philosophy, I would take an ace on a bad team because I'm, I'm going to get my numbers. I'm going to get my strikeouts. And, you know, I know all the health concerns, uh, uh, dealing with heart issues last year with COVID. Yeah. Um, I hope he comes back strong, but coming from the rest of that list, Manaya and Sheffield, there's a lot of promise. I haven't seen a lot of results. I know what I get out of Rodriguez, uh, even if it is AL East, um, I, I, this is the point where I take an ace on a bad, on a bad team. Man, it's just hard for me to make that connotation with Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't see him as an ace. I know he did. He is the default uh, best Red Sox starting pitcher. It's just it's just weird for me. But, hey, the numbers match. 19 wins, six losses, 203 innings pitched for the Red Sox in 2019. And, unfortunately, but that is a concern of mine, is he was one of those guys who got hit by COVID, and he didn't recover as other players recovered. And um, I don't know what his health situation is. I hope he does feel better. I mean, this is this is this disease sucks, and it, it not only it only affects you short term, but long term effects are just ugly, real ugly. We've seen a few of our friends, mutual friends, Leon. I, I won't mention them for right. privacy issues, but they still can't taste or smell. Yeah. So, and and Rodriguez had a heart issue. So that's a concern. Can he can he go the majority of the season? I mean, the baseball season is a grueling sport. It's a grueling uh, test of might and stamina and endurance. Does he have it? I mean, we, listen, we saw Yohan Mankata struggle because of it too. Mike Moustakas wasn't the same. I know this because they were on my team last year. I had high hopes for them, and they <laughs> they they, uh, they weren't the same after they came back from COVID. They really weren't, and which is which really sucks. But but yeah, let's hope that these guys uh, bounce back healthy first but yeah to me that's I, I'm not touching him with a six-foot pole or a 10-foot pole 
or even a 15-foot pole. I'm going to be social distant with my fantasy prospects with Eduardo Rodriguez. My guy is Luis Severino, and again, this, the same thing as Syndergaard. But I think Henry always mentions how Luis Severino is basically Noah Syndergaard. And every time he mentions that, the Mets fans, they get all pissed off at him for saying that and for daring to compare. But you look at their numbers, you look at the, the velocity and the, and the pitch stuff and the makeup and the peel, it, they really kind of do mirror each other. You know, one plays for the Bronx, the other one plays for Queens. And uh, Severino, just like Syndergaard, also succumbed to uh, elbow surgery. Um, and it uh, looks like his ETA is sometime for June or July of next year. Uh, so listen, with Severino, what you do with him is you draft him, immediately you put him on your IL slot, and just wait. Just wait, because again, once he becomes available, he's number one priority for all these teams looking for starting pitching during the, uh, after the All-Star game. Like, if you're able to withstand all that, if, you're, if your team stays relatively healthy, you might get rewarded very nicely uh, at the end. Uh, usually, June or July is a little bit of a long time to wait for me, but uh, compared to those other guys I just mentioned, uh, listen, my, Michael, Pitt, uh, sorry, uh, Michael Pineda, is, uh, I already know what he's about. I, yeah. I'm going to skip him. And he's, what, one more yeah. test for being banned from life, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, Justice Sheffield, I don't know what to make of him. I know I, I, I do like me a good uh, top five, top ten. or I, I forgot what, where he was ranked when he was with the Mariners and the Yankees, but he was a highly touted prospect. I usually like those guys, but Justice Sheffield still comes with a lot of control problems at this point of his career. I'm like, come on, man, I need you to pick up the pace. And Shamanai sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't like him at all. I think he's like these pitch-to-contact pitchers, especially now in my fantasy team. That's why I don't believe in the Oakland Athletics because that's – their default ace sometimes, Sean Manaya, either that or Mike Fires. Oh. You're a fraud. You're, your team's a fraud. I can't believe the White Sox lost to you guys in the first round. We'll catch you next time, though. Screw you guys. You guys they're not even going to have Liam Hendricks anymore. Anyway, I'm just <laughs> ranting here. But, uh, yeah, Luis Severino is my guy and because he just looks the best of, of that group of five people. Go ahead. As long as Severino is pitching to Sanchez, it's not going to work. That's why <laughs> I, could, I could somewhat see uh, Syndergaard working because he's not pitching to Ramos anymore. That's why McCann work. So there's a positive for James McCann for you. I, I still, I, if I'm a Mets fan, uh, I'm tempering my expectations of James McCann. I mean, you, you basically paid $40 million to a 50-50 catcher. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. Uh, you don't have to like it. You just have to accept it. But, uh, okay, put it this way. There's always Kyle Higashioka, who many Yankee fans will tell you is better than Gary Sanchez, which you would have told me that three years ago that Gary Sanchez – uh, is a is a bum and needs to be replaced by a, a, a nobody catcher who was drafted in the seventh round in 2008. I wouldn't have believed you, but here we are. They Yankee fans want a 31 year old starting every single day uh, over Gary Sanchez. I don't know what that says about Yankee fans or if that's more of a of a indictment on Gary Sanchez. Either way, it's kind of comical to me. So whatever, it's fine. But <laughs> and that's it. I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I don't know when we started. I don't know how long, but I think we're, we're definitely over an hour. So this is a good place to stop. Um, thank you to everybody who tuned in. I see the comments. I'm going to reply to uh, some of the good ones, or if not all of them, uh, as soon as I get off uh, and hit, stop hitting the record button and go off live or go off the screen here. But thank you, Leon, for uh, chiming in. And once again, go ahead and plug your show. 
Oh no! Thank you for having me, and uh, you know it's, it's been it's been good talking fantasy baseball. Um, pretty soon it's pre fantasy basketball season coming up. Uh, we're gonna have pretty soon gonna have an episode real soon. Uh, catch us Wednesday nights. Ball is life. Step back, me and my good friend Jacob Moses. Uh, Eight o'clock Eastern over in the Ballers Life group. And, uh, you know, thank you again for having me on, man. And as always, like I said, hit that like and subscribe button. You're not, when you subscribe to the Life Group podcast, you're not just liking our show, you're liking all the other shows. You're, you're subscribing to all the other shows, you're following all the other podcasts. At each and every one of us, we work very hard to uh, bring you the information that you need and, and, and topics that you want to talk about or, or, uh, whatever. We're, this is uh, supposed to be a tool to interact with all our members who have uh, done a wonderful job of uh, creating this environment on Facebook. And what, for those who are listening to audio only on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Anchor, all the other formats out there for podcasting, uh, we go live every Sunday, at least our show does, uh, uh, at the Baseball Life Facebook group. And th it's been a hell of a we started this in 2017, right, Leon? And I'm being kind of sad because it's the Christmas and it's, it's, it's a holiday spirit. I'm feeling it right here in my gut and in my stomach. And it's like, you know, this this group's special, man. Uh, especially I've been feeling it. Right now, there's the Secret Santa thing that's going on that's being handled by one of our members. And uh, some people are starting to get their presents already. Uh, did you participate did. in that this year, uh, Leon? Yes or no? I did. It, uh, did you get your uh, present no, yet? yet. No, not yet. You know, FedEx is uh, did you working. Buy your um, I did. I did. It's, uh, you know, FedEx is working hard. <laughs> FedEx is working hard. But um, my present is out there. Um, I haven't received mine yet, but we've been doing this the past two, three years. And it's one of the staples of the uh, life groups. You know, it, it makes a major difference. You know, we should celebrate Festivus, you know, have the airing of grievances, but this, this works out pretty well, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah, we're glad to have you, man. And it's like, it's a special. I, if you had told me five years ago that I would be a part of something very special like this, I wouldn't have believed you. It's just social media, it's Facebook, who gives a shit? But this is beyond that. We're, it's kind of sappy to say we're all family here, but I, you know, dealing with what we deal with on a daily basis, I, I consider Leon part of my extended family out there in New York. Uh, uh, he's been, uh, you know, I had a baby this past year and Leon was uh, at my my virtual baby shower, my surprise virtual baby shower, which I was, did not expect and not, we, my wife and I were just getting ready to handle this baby on our own and have very minimal support just from our closest, we talking about close-knit friends here and, and here in Chicago. And then you guys showed up big time and, 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 and uh, I mean, I, I have a special spot for all you guys in this group. So, um, uh, so yeah, man, join us uh, on Facebook. We are a little bit different than all the other sports groups. Uh, join us uh, on our basketball group, our, our, our baseball. I mentioned already, there's a football, there's the food group, there's the pop culture group. We have a little bit of something for everybody for all types of topics and interests. So yeah, experience the life group difference. And on behalf of Leon, I am Felipe, and we will be back next Sunday as always. Have a good one, everybody. I forgot how to do this. There you go. And, uh...